Well, today is the first Sunday in Lent. We started Lent on Wednesday at our Ash Wednesday service, and today is also the uh, first Sunday of our series we're calling Bless Five Ways to Love Our Neighbors. And if you have not picked up your Bless guidebook yet, I hope that you will do that uh, immediately after the service. Go back to the Connection Center, which is next to the elevator, and uh, they've got these for you. Most of our faith groups are using these. And uh, even if you're not in a group, I hope you'll just pick one up and then read through it a little bit. Even if you don't do all the questions and exercises, just, just kind of read through it. I think you'll find it very valuable. Uh, also, this morning with your bulletin, you uh, received a packet. Everybody get a packet? Looks like this. Okay? And... Um, uh, we're going to be using these packets each of the next five Sundays, so here's what I'm asking. Do your best to bring these back with you to worship the next five weeks. And I know that sounds impossible, so maybe the best bet is when you get in your car, leave it there. <laughs> leave it in your car so you'll have it with you in church the, the next Sunday. Um, and, and also, here's an idea I had. If you get a guidebook... If you look inside there, there's a pocket. And you can put the packet in the pocket. See, packet in the pocket. All right, very good. Uh, and then, uh, but if you would, go ahead and, and, and look at your packet here. Uh, if you haven't already, you'll see the very top there. It has the Bless logo. And then uh, right above that, it says not... The United Methodist Church, which is what we are, it says the Evangelical Covenant Church. And uh, because we are using these from that denomination, I've shown these to our district superintendent, Chad Engelmeyer, and he's excited about Faith Westwood doing this. Uh, uh, matter of fact, he hopes that we have such a good experience with it that uh, eventually we'll be able to introduce it to other churches in our district. Now, Below that, in the middle of the page, you'll see the words Intentional Evangelism Initiative. And the middle word there is enough to send most Methodists scrambling to the next county. But I want you to know something, and you may not be aware of this, but the word evangelism is not in the Bible. Did you realize that? Isn't that kind of odd to think about? It's not in the Bible. Now, the word evangelist appears three times, but the root word is all over the New Testament. And the Greek word euangelion, uh, which is the root of our English word evangelism, uh, translates to good news. So evangelism is simply bringing good news. Bringing good news. So forget the stereotypes of emotional TV evangelists or pushy street corner preachers because that's not what we're doing. Forget about going door to door and knocking on doors and asking people, if you died tonight, where would you go? Because that's not what we're doing. Besides, to the average person in America today, do those approaches sound like good news? Not to me. What we'll be doing... Uh, what we're going to be learning will be natural and almost always well-received. You know, during my first year in college, first year at Nebraska Wesleyan, I pledged a fraternity, which I'm sure kind of raised my parents' eyebrows. They started worrying about me. 
but the college didn't allow uh, for a freshman to live in the frat house, so I lived at the dorm that year. But as a freshman, I would go to the house a lot, and, and there were, I noticed there were about 34 guys living there, and two of them were open about being Christians. And I remember I went to a Bible study in their room. And uh, now, of course, the next three years, I lived in the house. Uh, and as frat brothers, we did a lot together. You know, you, you, you got to do it. We, we, we cleaned the house together. We washed dishes together. We did service projects together. You know, some partied more than others. But we, did, we studied together. We talked with each other all the time, debated with each other sometimes. We learned to get along regardless of our faith or lifestyle. And I remember, zip forward a few years, uh, my, the last semester of my senior year, and I just kind of walked around the hall, and I did a head count and realized that now 12 of my fraternity brothers were openly living for Jesus. From 2 to 12. And I don't know how it happened. A couple of us, you know, left small stacks of gospel pamphlets on our dressers, and one by one they just started disappearing. I remember the, the evening when the, my fraternity brother Stan asked my roommate and me, he said, where, where are you going? Are you, are you all going to that Bible study? We said, yeah. He said, can I go along? We said, sure. I remember... Uh, my senior year that some of the guys who weren't Christians decided that we were going to have a fraternity prayer breakfast. And, and, and they, they did it. They, they, they made scrambled eggs, cracked a whole bunch of eggs, and made sausage, and they asked me to talk about prayer. How did that happen? It's because we shared life together. And somehow in the midst of sharing life together, God was in the middle of it. You see, God is already at work in every person's life. I mean, if there's one thing that, that Methodists ought to believe in following John Wesley, it's that, that God is already at work in, in people's lives, whispering in their hearts. All we have to do is look for what God's already doing and come alongside and encourage it. Now, looking back at your packet on that front page in the lower right-hand uh, column there, you'll see the five blessed practices that we're going to be uh, discovering in this series, and so let me put them on the screen here as well, and I want us to read them all out loud together. Will you join me? Begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve with love, share your story, and those, as you can see on the signs behind me as well, those are going to be the title of the next five messages here. And I think what I like most about it is that we already know how to do these things. We're already doing these things with our friends and with our family members uh, because you pray for them, you listen to them, you eat with them, you serve them, you share stories with each other. Now, I'm not sure who it is that originally came up with the BLESS acronym because a lot of different churches use it um, and kind of have their own versions of it. We're, you borrow the version that the, this uh, evangelical covenant denomination has used. Um, but uh, I first learned it uh, a year ago 
as, as part of a monthly cohort of area pastors uh, led by these two people, uh, Beth Severson and Rick Richardson. Now, Beth heads up the efforts to make and deepen disciples for the Evangelical Covenant denomination. Uh, a few years ago, when her, she and her family lived in, in Kansas City, she spent a summer teaching uh, at the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection there. Rick is a seminary professor at Trinity Evangelical in Chicago. He's the author of several books, one of which I'm currently reading, and he's an Anglican Christian. Well, last spring, Beth and Rick flew to Omaha once a month to meet with this group of about 20 of us pastors in this cohort. And, uh, and then this fall, Beth has been the leader for about a dozen of us. And so it was through them that I learned about BLESS. Anyway, this fall, I told uh, Beth that I wanted to do in early 2018 to do a series on BLESS. She said, did you know we have a curriculum for it? I said, no. She said, she and Rick have written small group materials for BLESS, and would Faith Westwood like to be one of the churches to field test it before it's published? I said, sure. And that's why we have these guidebooks for free. All we have to do is print them. And then the Evangelical Covenant Denomination National Office, because of Beth, sent us 500 of these packets for free. It's kind of like God has been rolling out the red carpet saying, go for it, Faith Westwood. Jump into this. You're ready for it. So, but I want you to hear this. The last thing that I want to do and the last thing I want to ask you to do is to act like a salesperson for Jesus. Jesus doesn't need us to sell him. Just try to be a friend and let Jesus spill out. Right? Just be a friend and let Jesus spill out. If you have a friend who's an avid Denver Broncos fan, not that we have any here, if they're an avid Denver Broncos fan, you're going to know it. It just spills out. If your cousin's crazy about Corvettes, you're going to hear about it. It spills out. If your neighbor's an avid vegetable farmer or gardener, then you're going to get armfuls of produce in the summer. It spills out. And that's what happens when you're a disciple of Jesus. Your life with, with Jesus spills out. It overflows. And BLESS is a, an acronym, a way for us to do that intentionally and naturally. So this morning, we're going to look at why we are blessed. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, the same passage that Kay read for us a, a few minutes ago. Uh, it's on page 11 of the Pew Bible. And uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible of your own at home or one that's readable, then just take that Pew Bible home. Just Take it with you. We'd love for that to happen, and we'll put another one in and replace it later, but that way you'll have one to read at home. Um, okay, now the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, starts out with two chapters on creation, and then chapters 3 through 11 talk about the introduction of sin and how sin just goes crazy and proliferates and escalates. And then in chapter 12, we see God's first step in his plan to redeem the world. 
and he approaches a man named Abram. Verse 1, God tells him to go. I've got somewhere for you to go. I'm sending you somewhere new. And then in verse 2 and 3, God makes promises. So let's look at verse 2. God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So God says, I'm going to bless you, Abram. You're going to be so blessed that your descendants are going to become a great nation. And your name, or Abram, of course, he would later be called Abraham, your name is going to be known throughout history. And what's the purpose of these blessings? God says, you will be a blessing to others. Then verse 3, God says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And, and I want you to read the rest of the verse with me, will you? Verse 3, the rest of it. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Let's do it again. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, nations will learn that when they're Abraham's friends, they're God's friends. When they're Abraham's enemies, they're God's enemies. But God's ultimate aim is not to divide the world into friends and enemies. God has something much bigger in mind to bless people of all nations. Nearly 2,000 years later, the Apostle Paul said, Here, here's, I love this verse, Scripture announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Isn't that a great thing to call that? Scripture announced the gospel in advance. The gospel in advance. So, Abraham, you are so blessed, and, and that's how God wants us to be, uh, that, we will be that we will be so blessed, uh, God's going to do his work through us. God's going to bless you and then work through you to bless others. For example, God turned your life in a new direction, and what's he going to do? He's going to use you to help other people find that new direction in life. You receive salvation in Christ. God's going to use you to help other people find that same salvation. You're being transformed by the Holy Spirit. God's going to use you to help other people find that same transformation from the Holy Spirit. God says, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Now, our Bless series is all about how we have relationships with people who seem far from God, who uh, may not yet know Jesus, many of whom uh, consider the church irrelevant at best. How do we love them? How do we be a friend, the kind of friend who's a blessing to them? Now, uh, you don't need to look at it now, but page six in the guidebook, uh, Beth shares a story about how she was a party girl in high school. And, you know, she actually goes into a little bit of the detail about that, but she was a, she was a big party girl. And uh, there were these, she had all her party friends, and then there were these three other girls who, she said, kind of pursued her and decided that they were going to make Beth their friend. And they would hang out with her and invite her and do stuff with her. And then sometimes, uh, a little later on, when they kind of felt it was 
uh, ready, she, they invited her to go to a Bible study with them. And Beth's going, Bible study? No. Well, they kept, they kept, you know, being her friend, kept including her, and they would also keep inviting her to the Bible study. And then finally one time she said yes. And I'll let you read the rest of the story. It's in uh, session one on pages six and seven of the guidebook. But it began with these three girls who decided to make this party girl their friend. They were going to make her their friend. And eventually, God did something big in her life, changed the course of her story forever. Beth says that girl, meaning herself, that girl who was truly headed for trouble is now headed for eternity with Jesus. A year ago, and I was introduced to this, uh, I began to, to imagine myself having blessed relationships but I had a problem, and it was a pretty big problem. I thought, who do I know who's not already a Christian? Who do I know that's not already active in church? I mean, I spend all my time here, right, with you people. Not that it's your fault. You know. And, and, and um, so uh, next week we're going to be talking about letter B, begin with prayer and, and praying for people, but also part of that prayer for me was praying like, who and where am I going to find people? And uh, so the, at first the only one, I could just think of one person. And that was a friendship that was really on the fringe of my life. And I believe God was saying, okay, let's move that friendship off of the fringe and more into the middle of your life. See what happens. And I kept asking God, I've been praying for this whole year. Lord, who else is there out, out there that maybe you want me to befriend, be a, be a friend with? And I mean, a friendship is a two-way street. And, and uh, so, you know, last fall, I kind of thought there were three. And now I kind of say, I think there, there, I've got five and, and five people that I can love and bless in this way. And I, I pray for them pretty much every day. And it's a diverse group of people. Um, one of them, I send a scripture uh, text message to about once a week. And he wants me to do it. He's encouraged by it. He likes to receive them. He's interested. Uh, doesn't go to church anywhere, but he, he, he wants to get that. He knows I'm praying for him. Uh, another is a neighbor that I'm really just starting to get to know. And so basically I'm praying now is... How can I take another step in getting to know uh, this person? Um, and also, of the five, two of them don't even live in the area. Don't, they don't live in the Omaha metro. And so, no matter where our relationship goes, they're probably never going to end up worshiping at Faith Westwood, and that's okay. Because what God is doing is way bigger than this church. And one of the five is a relative. And that means that relationship is way different than all the others. And so, basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to expand my world outside of church. Because we kind of get stuck here, don't we? I mean, we, we, we love each other, and that's a good thing. But, but I'm trying to expand my world, and that's, that's why last August, uh, Trish and I 
uh, hosted a neighborhood breakfast in our garage just so we could kind of get to know our neighbors. And, and that's why uh, a year and a half ago, I joined the Great Plains Bluegrass and Old Time Music Association. We get together once a month. It expands my world. Who knows? Maybe someday it will bring a new friend into my life. I don't know. Anyway, I'd like to invite Holly to uh, come up and join me. A lot of you know Holly Timberlake, uh, Darren's wife. Uh, and um, Holly is our director of, or excuse me, our, yeah, director of adult and family discipleship. And uh, if you are ever thinking, even have questions about small groups, about our faith groups, she's the one, okay? Um, anyway, last summer, I introduced the staff to this whole concept of blessed relationships. And um, so I was just kind of planting a seed, seeing how, how it went. And then last November, I invited Holly to to be a guest at one of our cohort sessions and, and went from there. So, Holly, you've had a little bit of background with it before most people here and uh, exposure to it and, and think it attracted to this way of doing things. So what, what's it been like getting started? What's it been like so far? Well, like Steve said, I was really excited about it. Um, really feel blessed in my life personally, not perfect or easy, but blessed, and wanted to um, find ways to um, love my neighbors. Um, but I'm also a very impatient person, and so when I kind of got the acronym here, I was like, all right, let's, let's kind of get this thing moving, and um, found that it was moving a lot slower for me than I expected. I have been spending a lot of time um, praying about this, um, Sometimes I kind of like get ahead of maybe even what God wants me to do. Um, so I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and see where God is leading me. Yeah. Um, so tell us more about that, about where God has led you, kind of the who and the where and, and all of that. Where, where is it, right? Okay. Um, well, I'm really, um, my heart is really burdened for the next generation. Um, and I have the next generation living at my home, and they have friends and people that come in around our family that are not, um, I don't know, you know, where they stand or what they think about Jesus. So I'm really feeling led to um, that right now. Um, not really sure how that's going to look. Um, I kind of put my administrative small group hat on and said, oh, I'm going to start a group. And all these kids that don't believe in Jesus are going to come to this group. And um, I was um, listening with care, and kind of one of the kids said, um, I don't think that's going to really work. Um, so I'm trying to learn how to be more organic and um, listen to the Holy Spirit talk yeah. to me about this. Just kind of be more relational, relational. rather than programmable, right? Program yes. Yeah, or something like yes. that. Okay. So, um, Holly... You know, you're, I, I'm really proud of you for, for taking these big beginning steps and doing all of this. And um, what do you need? Well, a couple things. Um, I shared last service, and the first, second question is, um, I am the person in the small group that talks too much. I don't know if any of your small groups have that person. Uh, you know, I was I'm learning about how to be a small group leader and how to coach other small group leaders, and one of the things they said is, 
Um, what do you do about that person that won't stop talking? And I'm always like looking around my groups wondering, who is that person? And everyone in my groups have always known, well, that's you, Holly. Um, so I, I do need a verbal process. So I do need you gals to help me, to listen to me and help me kind of unravel this. But then, I mean, I really need to learn how to listen with care. We have some people around here that are really, really good at that. Um, and I think I've gotten a little bit better. Um, but that's, that's one of the things. And to listen to the Holy Spirit and not my voice. Sometimes I struggle. Yeah. I don't know if you guys struggle with that, trying to decipher which one is which. Yeah, I think we all, we all do, but it's a, it's a good thing to struggle with. And, and uh, so anyway, um, you know, I think that uh, one thing we could do for you right now would just be to pray for you. That would be awesome. Okay, <laughs> let's do that. Uh, Lord, um, I thank you for, for Holly who's uh, been uh, one of the partners with me in, in pursuing this. And Lord, I ask that you'll, you'll bless her as she uh, has conversations and opportunities and builds relationships. Lord, I thank you for the prayer that she's put, put into this and continues to do. And Lord, help her to learn to listen. Help her to learn to ask good, caring questions. Uh, Lord, help her to be a, a person of hospitality, especially to young people, and that uh, she'll be the kind of adult that young people will come to trust and uh, be able to open up to. And so, Lord, we are entrusting this unique way that you've equipped Holly to bless and ask that you'll, uh, you'll do great things with it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, another reason that I want to have blessed relationships is because people need what only Jesus can give. People need what only Jesus can give. Will you say that with me? People need what only Jesus can give. People need a turnaround in their lives. People need hope. People need a love that will not let them go. People need to know that God wants to spend eternity with them. Of course, for a lot of people, this isn't what they want. Maybe they don't want to spend eternity with God. They, they want to go their own way. You know, it's interesting to me, and this is, I believe, the Bible doesn't specifically tell us whether people get another chance to receive salvation after they die. But even if they do, it doesn't mean it's going to be any easier. There will be many who would, who would still choose to go their own way rather than live under the reign of God. But if in this life they begin to see their need, if they come to, to see and believe how much God loves them, they may yet turn and be saved. People need what only Jesus can give. And there may be some of you here today who are just now realizing that, that you need what only Jesus can give. You need a life turnaround. You need hope. 
You need a love that will not let you go. And you need to know the God who wants to spend eternity with you. Today can be your day to say yes to him and to what he wants to give you. Maybe you feel like you've been on the fringe of all of this, holding back. Maybe you've been distracted by all the things going on around you and all the things that you want to do. Maybe you've thought, well, I'll always have time later. But now it's later than you imagined. I want you to know God still loves you. Jesus hasn't given up on you. And he's whispering in your heart, come to me. I'm here. Now is the time. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord God, what a wonderful thing that you bless us. You, you love to bless your people. You love to bless your creation. And, Lord, we want to receive these blessings that you've given us, to us through your Son, Jesus. And, Lord, we are so eager then also to be your conduit of blessing to other people. Lord, we don't want to make anybody our project. We just want to be a friend. And so show us how to do that how to be a friend and just let you do your wonderful work in the middle of it and we can just stand amazed at how you do that. And so, Lord, we, uh, we ask you to, to uh, lead us along the way because really, genuinely, a lot of us are scared. Uh, we're apprehensive about talking to anybody about our faith or what their faith is. And so, Lord... Help us to learn this in a way that's just natural, but also intentional, and um, that we can be a blessing. Lord, thank you so much for letting us have this honor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.